time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4. Talking about the apostles here. When they saw the courage, say courage. courage. Say courage like you mean it. Courage. Say courage like you're a lion. Courage. Say courage like you're a UFC fighter. Courage. Say courage like you're Brit Hancock. Courage. Snarl a little bit. Courage. Say courage and spit on the person next to you. Acts chapter 4 When they saw the courage of Peter and John And realized they were unschooled, ordinary men They were astonished and they took note that these men Had been with Jesus Father, thank you for the privilege to be with you We count ourselves so privileged and we're so grateful to spend three days in the mountains with phenomenal worship around other men and women that love you from across states all across the nation. God, we ask that there would be an evidence in our inner man, an evidence that we've been together an evidence that we've been with you. When we leave here, may we not leave here and be timid, sweet, but may we leave here and be like Christians living in the book of Acts in 2010. May we leave here with courage. As Peter and John, once they had been with you after you came and resurrected and you told them to go into the world and make disciples. You told them the Holy Spirit would come on them. They would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them. They would be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Never, never do we read about them being timid again. I pray for lions tonight. I pray that you would raise up warriors tonight. Inject supernatural courage into the heart of 12-year-olds tonight. God, we don't want to live. We don't want to live as wimpy, weak, fearful people. We want to live as Christians. Amen.
There's four kinds of teenagers that I've noticed. I'm a youth pastor, and I've noticed four kinds of teenagers. The first one is this. The first kind of teenager is the lost teenager. This is the teenager that your life exists to reach. You exist on your campus to reach the lost teenager. The lost teenager doesn't know Jesus. The lost teenager might be in rebellion. The 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 lost teenager has never had an encounter with God that is strong enough where they've ever given their life to him, or they're just choosing to live in rebellion. Maybe they've never heard the gospel. I remember, I remember talking to a lost teenager when I was in the eighth grade, and I was trying to witness to this kid, and I began to tell him about Jesus, and he had so little knowledge of the gospel when I tried to tell him about Jesus as an eighth grader that when I said the name Jesus, he said, you might get in trouble for cussing. I said, no, 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 I'm not cussing. I'm telling you about my Savior. He said, did you say Jesus? I said, yes. He said, that's a bad word. And I said, no, no, actually, it's not a bad word. And right there you find the, the level of lost, the clueless, no, no understanding of gospel, no understanding of who Jesus is or what he did, and these teenagers exist on your campus. There's other kind of teenagers, lots of kind of teenagers here like this, and there's other kids that sit right here. These people have heard about Jesus, but they're church brats. They're just snotty church brats. And they, um, they, they live mostly as, I come to youth group, uh, I'm a part of a church group because um, my parents go to church and there's no work of Jesus inside of my heart. But this is a social group where I have some friends. I'm interested in some of the girls. Um, I like pranking a lot. Um, I don't worship, I don't pray, I don't seek God, uh, but I like that there's an environment that I can come to and take advantage of Jesus' church. I'm a consumer, and I'm a, I mean, this is a church brat. This is, this is, a, this is a punk right here. And these exist all over the place. These, these, guys, these, guys, these guys are all over. These are a problem. Then, then you got these guys right here. And, and this chair, this, this chair is what I call timid sweeties. They're cute, you know? They love Jesus. They, and these people authentically love Jesus. They're a step forward. They authentically, deep in their heart, they, they love God. They really do. But they also live in a very real world where they feel like um, the lusts of the day the difficulties of culture, um, the amount of people that don't believe what they believe. They have lots of reasons why they're timid. And so they, 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 they sit in this seat, pretty content to love Jesus at the Desperation Conference, to, um, to be good at church, and to be nice people. You know, sweethearts. You know, like, no one's ever going to look at them and be like, wow, what's so unique about you? Because there's no power to their life. There's nothing unique about them in terms of a mission to put your hand on that goes, wow, they're committed to something. They just, they, they, they're, just, they're just a little too fearful. I call, these, I call these teenagers timid sweeties. They're precious. Just kind of cute. Kind of sweet. You know, little hair sticking up. Sweetheart. Over here are courageous Christians. Courage. 
over on this seat, these are people, they know who God is and they love who God is. And so they spend time studying God. They're filled with passion. They want to be a part of Christ's mission on the earth and they know that it's not all through them. They know that they are to put good works to their faith, but they know that the most important thing that they must do is pray. So they stand in the place of prayer. They realize that in, in, when they know Jesus and when they pray that God transforms them so they're constantly being tra- transformed into the image of Christ and they're constantly starting to look different. And then after that, they start to realize and not only do I get to know God and not only do I get to pray, not only do I get to be transformed to his image, but then they start to realize the necessity and the responsibility that Christ put on his disciples and they begin to realize that Christ put that on his disciples when he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, to his disciples. Therefore, you go and make disciples in all the world. And they realize that their life doesn't exist just to encounter God, which is good, and just to pray, which is fantastic, and just to be set apart. But they also realize that it is their, it is their job, it is their responsibility on, in their few precious hours that they have on the earth to courageously advance the gospel in their generation. My problem is, is that there's not enough of these that I see in our generation. See, the weird thing is, is that these, these ones, these, these are our mission. These people, they, they are our mission. They're who we're after. And all three of these, all three of these seats are going after that cat. But when you, but when you, when you, when you finish the desperation conference, you have these three chairs and at the, at the desperation conference, a lot of times these three do the same cultural things. Hands are raised. Get back, they get in the bus to go home and they're screaming, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Oh, they do that too. These guys do it. They got their eyes kind of locked on, you know, some girl while they do it because she's doing it. So they do it. These guys, as long as the other Christians are doing it, then they're cool. They'll do it. These guys have given their life away. There's a difference. There's a difference. Our passion is that when you come here, yes, we want you to encounter Jesus in a great way. We want your local church to be ignited in the place of prayer. We want you to have encounters with God that like John Wesley, you say, my heart's strangely warmed. I can't even begin to put words to what God is doing. It's something supernatural. Many of you had that happen this afternoon with Joel Stockstill where you, could, you can't put words to it, but you know God was changing you. But, but the truth is, is that when we leave here, if this is just about us, this is merely a Holy Ghost party. If this is merely a hangout, if this is merely just we love each other, this is this has got to go beyond that. I love that. I've been doing this for a long time. I coordinate this. I work on this. You can tell I love it. But this doesn't exist for just you. This exists for the lost kids on your campus that need Jesus, that don't know Jesus. You're the light to their world. The question is, are you too timid to share the gospel? The question is, will you really share Jesus? 
You know, statistics show that the greatest time that people get saved is when they're young. The teen years is the time where many people come to faith. And the interesting thing is, is that once you get out of this age group and you start to want to reach people... You won't have near the effectiveness. I know guys that are trying to write, make Christian movies and they're spending millions of dollars to try to make Christian movies, but they don't have as great a privilege as the kid on the public high school campus. I'm a youth pastor. I've been in Christian ministry for 15 years. I had the greatest opportunity in ministry in my four years on my high school campus. I have more stories from those four years than I do the last 15. Hands down. In terms of reaching lost people. You have a high privilege. These are great days. I don't know if you'll use them or if you'll waste them. I don't know if you'll be a timid sweetie. If you'll be a lion. Numbers chapter 13, I want to read a story to you. This is a story about about Moses sending in some men to go check out the promised land. And the interesting thing about this story is that God had already promised them the promised land. The promised land had already been promised. The promised land was a promise. Do you get it? It was promised. It was something that God had said, I'm gonna give you the promised land. This is not 12 guys that go in to check out a land that maybe we, should, we could take it or I don't know what God's plan is. God has said, this is the promised land. I mean, this is, God has given them this, this is it. And so Moses sends 12 guys in. He sends 12 guys in. We can pick up the story in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. So let me tell you the story. So they go in. Moses sends 12 guys in. They hang out there for 40 days. And after 40 days, they come back and they give a report to Moses. So 12 guys come back talking to the leader. Moses is the leader. Come back. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Meaning it's a good place. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We know that it's the promised land, but it's scary. The people who live there are powerful. They live in cities that are fortified. Fortified, there's walls. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Malachites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Parasites, no, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. There's 10 guys, 10 sweeties, timid, timid little guys, can't do it, too hard. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I don't think Caleb was the kind of guy that was kind of baby faced and kind of said this and kind of like, We should go up and take possession of the land. I think we can. (laughs) Really, Moses? I don't think that was it. I think Caleb looked straight. I think he said it with courage. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack the people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, they are of great size. 
We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Ten little sweeties. (laughs) Moses, I know that this is the land that God has promised us. But you don't know how big those walls are. Those guys are big. I'm scared. No way. We look like grasshoppers. Numbers 13.6 tells us the names of these guys. And it's interesting because I think these are the most famous names that we name our children. It's just interesting how these 10 men who never, who said we can't do it, how these became such popular names, even today. Listen to their names. Shamua. Shaphat. Eigel. Pulte. Gadiel. Gadai, Amiel, Sethur, Nabi, Gruel. (laughs) Anybody here named Shamua? How about a Sethur? Your name's Sethur? Sorry, dude. How about a ghoul? Got a ghoul in the house? You're a ghoul? Sorry, ghoul. <laughs> There's two men. Two men came back with a positive report with courage. They said we could do it. Names are Joshua and Caleb. Raise your hand if your name's Joshua or Caleb. Let me see. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting how the cowards get forgotten. Cowards get forgotten. Joshua, I just, I, I've had four kids in the last five years. I know, I know baby names. Joshua and Caleb, they're still at the top. Hmm. See, because Joshua and Caleb, they weren't these guys that said, you know what, I'm going to take a guess. You know, I think we can do it because realistically, if you look at the size of our army, if you look at how great we are, I think we can take the big old boys. I think we can scale a wall. I think we can do this. No. These are the guys that they, they want to rattle the heads of Shamua and Ghoul and Sethur and Wiggy Wiggy and the rest of them. And, and they're going, wait a minute, don't you remember? This is the land that God promised us. Do you, do you remember what God has done for us? Do you remember all the ways where he delivered us out of Egypt? Do you remember the stories of how God came and literally did plague after plague after plague on the Egyptians? Do you remember how when we left and left Egypt, how we got to the Red Sea and all of a sudden we couldn't cross it? God opened up the way and boom, we went through the Red Sea and literally on dry ground. Do you remember that God then said, hey, I'm going to feed you? And he sent us bread every day from heaven. Hey guys, do you remember that God who said that he would take care of us, he gave us water from a rock. Hey, do you have any remembrance of the fact that he led us with a pillar of cloud by day? How about the fact that we had a laser fire? I mean, fire led us through the night. Do you have any grid that if God said that this is the promised land and he's taken care of us so much, so far, so long, so well, is there any question to you that we can take the land? And deep in their gut, they're not saying, hey, hey, we're awesome. Hey, we, got, we can bench press. We got more military power. We're strong. We're tough. We've got more arrows and more bows and more spears. And No. But deep in here, 
the nature of saying we should, we should go up and take it, we can do it, is a deep confidence, not in themselves, but in God. He said, this is our land. He got, this is the promised land. These men, you see giants? You see big old tall boys? I see the God of the ages. You see walls around the city? I see a God that can do anything. I, can, I, 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 I see a God who's done miracles. You say we're grasshoppers? I say we're warriors. When you look all through the Old Testament, then you see spanning into the 12 average men that Jesus turns into the great warriors that lead the acts to revival and then they begin the church age where we've seen God move and spread the gospel. God always takes not the men with the greatest might, not the women with the greatest skills and strengths. The demonstration of courage is not because you have the greatest gifting. It's because you trust in God. It's about who you trust in. Joshua and Caleb, we can certainly do it. Joshua, Joshua 1, be strong and courageous. I can imagine Joshua saying to God, hey, you want me to go take Jericho? Uh, what's our battle plan? Well, Joshua, I want the glory. That's why I'm using you, Pee-wee. <laughs> Thanks, God. And what's the plan? Like, you're gonna give me like a thousand, you know, a thousand men that come out of nowhere and we're gonna do this thing and we're gonna like drill holes through the wall? Nope. God, what's the military plan like? I mean, you're gonna like just have us grow to 20 feet tall and leap over the city or something? Nope. What's the plan? You're gonna walk around the city and then scream. God, I was hoping for something, you know, that feels... Like I could look a little better than that. I'm not into you looking good, Pee-wee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but God, I like to look good. Yeah, that's the problem, bud. You know, it's about my glory. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you reach Jericho. But you know how I'm gonna do it? You're gonna have to trust me and encourage, take a step, take a risk that I am who I said I am. And you're gonna walk around the city. You're gonna walk around it. My strategy is walking and screaming, boy. All right, God. And the walls fall down. Hey, God, how are we gonna beat the Malachites? Well, Joshua, here's how this is gonna go. You're gonna be down on the battlefield. And um, I'm gonna send Moses up to the top of the hill. And as long as the old man's arms are up, you're gonna win. Our old man's arms go down, you're going to lose. So you might want to keep the old man's arms up. Wait a minute, God. So it doesn't matter how good of a fighter me and my buddy Shamua are. And Lathur and Sathur and Wiggy Wiggy and Shnagi and Flugi and Gooby. Nope. Nope. It's all about me. And I just want a physical demonstration that you're trusting me. That's why I make you do silly things. Yeah, that's kind of, God, like the whole thing's about Moses' arms in the air. Like he's not even very tough. Well, 
Why don't you send up a couple guys to go with them? How about her? Her? Yeah, her. All right. I'll send her, the man. Go with them. All right. Get to the top of the hill. Hands go up. And God gets the glory. We see it all through the Old Testament. Hey, Gideon, why don't you go beat the Midianites? God, what's the strategy? Uh, well, I'm going to whittle down your army. Really? But they have way more than us. I know, but I want the glory. Oh, really? But I might die. No, I want the glory. Okay, so what's the plan then? Like, do I get like a big, huge spear to kill the king or something? No, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I'm going to give you some, uh, some really cool, really awesome lanterns. <laughs> and some horns. And, I, and, and when you blow the horn and lift up your lantern, you'll win. <laughs> really? Why, God? Because I, I want you to trust in me. I want this battle to go down as mine. You're my people. I'm working through you. It's not about your glory. It's all about me. On your campus, you don't have to be the most gifted. You don't have to be the most popular. You don't have to work to try to get social status to then one day try to reach your campus. Here's what you need. You need courage. You need to trust in God. You need to trust in God to take the step that he's called you to. You need to look and go, I'm stepping out. I'm moving forward. And I want to tell you something, friends. If you live on mission in these high school years, it's the most strategic years for you to reach these kids. Our culture, our culture looks at you and it says, hey, if you want success in American culture, here's how you should spend your time. Why don't you lose yourself in a hobby? Why don't you get fascinated with a sport? Because when you're 50, when you're 50, you're not gonna, you know, when you're 50, it's really gonna, can you imagine when you're 50 years old how cool it is that you're on the pom-pom squad? That in high school you were a, I mean, why don't you lose yourself in German club? Think about the eternal destiny of German club. Oh, I'm stepping on toes. I mean, all the vice presidents of the German club just got offended. Here, be the leader of the pep club and give yourself to these video games or give yourself to all these different things. And it's so funny. American high school is so intriguing to me because here's what goes on in American high school. American high school knows that you guys, you're in an, intri- in, in, in an intriguing part of your life where you're very curious. You're not quite yet by our cultural standards, adults, but you have the capacity to live on mission. You have the capacity to give yourself to a purpose. My, my two-year-old doesn't get purpose yet, but you do. And so what we do in America is we try to fill your life with a whole bunch of hobbies and sports while you're in high school so that you don't do bad things. So that you just don't live a, so you just don't live a bad life. So you don't do something wrong. 
And, and that's cute, and I think that's, that's cute, and that's nice for some kids, but that's not, what, that's not the way that you, the Christian, you, the Christ follower, that's not your highest mission. Oh, man, I'd rather have you be, I mean, I'd rather have you do something in high school that keeps you out of bad things if you're a bad kid, and you're, you don't know Jesus, and you're just trying to make through high school, but that's not who you are. That's not the people that come down here and worship and pray and give their dollars to the poor. That's not the kids that have chosen to live sacrificial and be holy. No. No, you guys, you want to know the greatest way to live your high school years? On mission, filled with courage, taking risk. You look at your campus, this is your great window of time to reach these guys. This is your great opportunity for you to be a light to these students who literally on a public campus, your youth pastor can't go there and preach. We don't have the opportunities. The pastors can't. I mean, it's getting harder and harder for any kind of any Christian, anything. But I'll tell you, no matter what, no matter what happens there, there are some lights on the campus. It's you. And this season of time, this is your privilege to go into the promised land. This, that, that, that campus, that is your promised land. This is your chance. And everybody else around you, many in, the, many in the clubs will say, oh, it's not possible. Oh, I heard one kid start a prayer meeting a couple years ago. Didn't work out. Uh, nobody ever came. Uh, I, and, you know, I did it by myself. And you know what? Uh, uh, this is kind of a religious, uh, this is the most religious county in America. And so uh, I'm just going to give up because um, this, is, this is like super re- religious. And, and so it, there's not real so that's my reason to be an excuse to live in lethargy and be kind of a pious loser because I just, I really don't want to try because I'm scared and I'm a shamua. Well, David, I, I, it's, it's nice that you say that, but, um, you know, truth be told is, uh, I, I, I really, I really, I really like being busy and it's just kind of my personality. And so I think that I'd like to be busy in all these different things. I'm not, I'm not talking a theory. I'm talking historically. There are men and women. You can look over the last 20 years and there are teenagers that have made it their mission. I got three years. I got four years. I got two years. I got one year on this campus and better than pep club, better than football, better than basketball, better than any, you know what I'm about? I'm about every one of those kids who don't know Jesus. I'm about them coming to know Jesus in these precious years. That's my mission. daily now. I know it's awesome. Bro, how come, how come you're like, um, how come you're like bringing your Bible? Read it. Oh, why? Because it's awesome. Why? Because it shows me how to follow Jesus. It's Jesus. Let me tell you. I know. Listen, I know. I know people say, David, it's not that easy. I know it's not easy. Trust me. I've been there. I know. The way that I saw it when I was in high school, we had prayer meetings every day. Just every day. And I didn't see like it was like a revival. I saw it. 
where you just stay the course in the things that God's called you to be faithful in, and out of nowhere, God opens doors. It's like a jack in the box, you know, like the do 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 pow. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. You be steady, you be holy, you be godly, you spend time with Jesus. You get to know God, you fast a day a week, you seek God, you seek God, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Pow! Someone out of nowhere. So, dude, what's with the uh, skipping the cafeteria lunch? I'm fasting. Uh, Giving blood later? What? (laughs) Fasting? Yeah, Jesus told us to do it in the Sermon on the Mount said that his Christians would, his, that his people would fast. <laughs> huh? That's in the Bible. Really? Yeah. Cool. Mm. Size misfit right there. Stranger, crazy, resident alien. A couple days later, that dude, tell me more. See, here's the deal, guys. When you stay with it, you stay steady. The issue, the issue is there will be people that you have the opportunity to meet. There will be uh, people that you have the opportunity to, to preach the gospel and you gotta be looking for them. You gotta, be, you gotta be on the lookout. How can I reach them? And what is needed more than anything? It's, I'm telling you, a courageous person, a courageous person that takes Jesus literally and starts to put it into practice. You'd be surprised at the opportunities that pop up. It's not a machine. It's not mechanical. It's not a formula that I can just say, this will happen and this will happen, because I don't know. But I know little stories from Texas to Michigan to Colorado, all across the country. I know stories of kids that have lived it, and they're all different. Different stories of kids who reach people for the cause of Christ. And the, this thing that I see that's the common bond in the middle is courage. Courage. And when they saw Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they knew they'd been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men that had been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. You've been with him here. You're gonna be with him as you leave here. We're gonna commit tonight to spend time with Jesus every day. We're gonna take time to commit, to spend time with God. Let me tell you this, friends. Jesus has a desire for every lost kid on your campus and he has a way to reach him. He has a vessel. He has a strategy. It's his desire, 2 Peter 3, 9 says that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So I don't care what you say, whether you give me the, it's, it's it, too religious of an environment you know, it's a Christian school, so I just, you know, just chuck it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna forget all the, the Jesus talk because I've figured out that I'm smarter than the scriptures. You know, uh, you know, there's been people that have tried it before. And so because of their experience and their testimony, I'm not gonna have a testimony. I'm gonna live like Shemua. What? You know, prayer meetings are hard. I'm a little bored. I'm gonna throw, lift up the white flag, throw in the towel, be done. Nobby. Well, you know, the truth is, is I hear them all the time, but the truth is there are 
There is, there is people that look at their campus and no club, no sport, <laughs> nothing, nothing can woo them like the mission that Jesus has set them on. And I know what many of you say. You say, well, hey, what I'm not saying, what David is not saying, I'm not saying don't be in sports, don't be in clubs. If you're called to a sport to reach people, brilliant. If you're in a sport to kill time, lethargy. If you're in a sport because you wanna reach the men on that basketball team for Jesus Christ, brilliant. And God's gifted you, go for it. But if you're there to waste time, you got 30,000 days on the planet, how are you gonna use them? You got a little bit of time in high school, a lot less. A little bit of time in junior high, how are you gonna use them? I wanna encourage you, when you get together with your friends on campus, come together, you pray together, you spend time, we're gonna cry out to God for our campus. You know what happens? That word encouragement, it's injecting courage. Encourage. When Joel Stockstill comes, when he came today, and he said, you don't have to live in sexual immorality, it encouraged you, it gave you courage to, to, to defeat sexual sin. When Aaron Stern today talked about the wonders of God, how awesome he is, it encouraged you. You saw he's awesome. How great is our God? How awesome. And it injected courage inside of you. And I'm telling you this, that's what happens when Christians get together. And if you, if you as a man of God, you as a woman of God on your campus, if you start to rally, you start to rally the men and women that are there, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that on our days on this campus, that there are as few as possible that go to hell. We're gonna make sure that on the days on this, that we have on this, and I'm gonna get to, and I'm gonna encourage you. When we come together, might be two of you, you talk about what God is doing, and it injects courage in that person. I'm telling you, one burning and shining lamp on the campus will change everything. I see it, I saw it every year when I was in high school at Sea at the Pole. Every year at Sea at the Pole, you know what I would do? I would see all these people that showed up at sea at the pole. And I was like, holy cabooses, Cornelius. I had no idea these people were even saved. And I don't know how many of them were, but I'll tell you this. On your campus, for every few that are filled with courage, there's a whole lot more that are timid sweeties sitting right here. Only day they show up, sea at the pole day. You know, let me do my religious duty. But if you, a man of courage, 1 Corinthians 6, 13, be on your guard. Be strong. Be men of courage. Be strong. If you, a man of courage, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. If you stand in courage, you watch, Tim and Sweeties will come and they'll, they'll walk with you. Guys that were just timid, just sweet little, you know, just sweet kids. You start talking about Jesus. 
You start unauthentic and you start encouraging. You encourage every little timid sweetie and you watch the little lambs turn into lions. You watch, I've seen it. I've seen timid little guys, very, very little, very little time is Jesus on their lips. And you start talking about Jesus. You start telling them about Jesus. You start quoting the scriptures. You pray, you fast consistently. You start praying every day with a group of people. You start fasting on a consistent basis. You watch, you watch, you watch. Trust me on this, you try it. God starts to reach in your midst and there's a little band, a little band of timid people on your campus that they start to see the lion heart inside of you and out of nowhere you look over and you've got a whole bunch of mighty men with you. You've got a bunch of mighty women with standing with you. You be a woman of God. You be a woman of God that stands firm on purity. You be a woman of God that stands for prayer. You be a woman of God that says, no, this is where we stand. This is how I stand. You watch every once. You'll get, you'll get even if, if she's like the nerdiest girl in school, if you're nice to her and you talk about Jesus, she'll be like, yeah, I'll go with you. And then you talk to her, but you get a band. I'm telling you, I know, I'm not, I'm telling there is a way for, your, for campus transformation. I have seen it. I know it. It's possible. It's not a myth. It's not a dream. It's not a concept. It's not a check the box. I heard that sermon concept. It's not a little book that you read. It's something that you are. It's something that you do. It's something that you live. You've got a window of time to be courageous on a public campus, junior high, high school, Youth pastors can't go there. Christian movies can't go there. Christian bloggers and Facebook posters can't go there. But you can go there. You go there. And you're the light. You're the light. Billy Graham said courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others start to stiffen. (sighs) When you take a stand, when you stand in courage, you watch. follow you they'll pray with you they'll preach the gospel with you preaching the gospel is not a gift for some people read through the whole new testament preach 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 the gospel It's your great privilege. Andrew Jackson said, one man with courage makes a majority. There's warriors in the room tonight. Right now, you'd call yourself maybe a church brat. Maybe you'd call yourself a timid sweetie. but you start to put your trust in God and take risk and stand in courage. God sees a warrior. God looked at Gideon. Angel looked at Gideon. And Gideon scared to death, making excuses. And he looked at a man who was scared to death and he said, you mighty warrior. Said it over him. He spoke it over him. You mighty warrior. Gideon said, but I don't know. I just understand it. And the angel said, Go in the strength that you have. Some of you feel weak. Good. It's okay. 
gifted and I'm not talented. It's okay. Go in the strength that you have. Whatever strength you have. Yeah, but it might just me be me praying by the drinking fountain. People making fun of me. Awesome. Can you imagine standing before God one day? I had the courage to stand at the drinking fountain and pray. Rock on. See you at the pole? Hey, everybody, we're going to be here again tomorrow. Nobody shows. Awesome. Stand there. Fight for it. Persuade one person, two people, three people. I don't care if it grows to hundreds or if it's two or three of you standing in faith before God. It is massive. Most people judge campus success based upon how many people start coming to their prayer meetings, how many people they get saved. Crazy. Crazy. We can't see like God sees. You'll never know. You'll never know until eternity. I told this story before, but I'm telling again. Two summers ago, I, I started a prayer meeting when I was in junior high, public junior high, ninth grade. Woodshop class, teacher. Woodshop teacher, we held it in his room. I'm not gonna tell you the year, but it rhymes with 1990 done. <laughs> we started a prayer meeting, I'll say it, 1991. I got an email. Shop teacher found me online. Crazy. Weird. Whoa. David, just want to let you know I'm going to retire this year. I just want to thank you for starting a prayer meeting in 1991. Just to let you know, I've had prayer in that room every day for the last 17 years. of kids that I've never met 17 you never know you don't know what God's doing you, you don't know all you know is that he's called you to be courageous no that's for this, this category of Christian this is just the special Christians this is just the Joel Stockstills of the world this is just the Aaron Stearns of the world there's no way that I this is John Egan there's no way I could do that this is like my youth pastor this is like the one kid that's got like the really loud mouth personality maybe if he got saved he'd be radical it's a personality thing oh really? courage? courage is about personality? Revelation 21, Jesus speaking. Verse six, Jesus says, he said, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. But... But the cowardly, holy smokes, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, dude, this is a rough list, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, 
their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Everybody just do this with me. That was good. The cowardly are in the same list with the murderers for hell? You know what? I'm not even going to comment on it. I'm just going to let the Bible say what it says. Let me read it one more time. Because verse 8 scares the tar out of this guy. But the cowardly. But the cowardly. Find their place in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. You're not a grasshopper. You're not a shamua. You're not Nabi. You don't have to be Sethur. We don't want these. These are gone. Here's what we want. We are courageous Christians. We give everything that we have in the days that we have to reach every person that's never heard the gospel. That's what we live for. If you want to be a man or a woman of courage, I want you to come down here. I want to pray for you as you go back to wherever you came from. You want to be a man or a woman of courage, come down here. Let me pray for you. God, we confess it's so easy for us to live timid and fearful. Where we base our decisions based upon what we see with our own eyes rather than trusting in God with all our hearts. But today, as young men and young women, we ask for your strength and your grace to live with courage to be so overflowing with courage that we encourage those around us and we inject courage in every timid person around us. And it snowballs into prayer movements and holiness movements and mission movements, evangelism movements. I pray for my friends who believe so easily the lies of the enemy that they can't live with courage. And they live fearful and timid. What people think of them matters so much to them. I pray, Lord God, tonight. Fill them with courage. We want a generation. A 
generation of our lost friends that see us and say, those people have been with Jesus. How can you tell? Because of their courage. It's like they're living for another age. session and worship after worship and scream for Jesus and for and I pray God that you would help my friends live with courage strength let them leave desperation and let this not be the meeting with Jesus let this be just a little drink that causes them to guzzle from the well every day. Raise up courageous Christians, I pray, God. Help my friends a decade from now not be cowards. Raise up a fearless men and women. Raise up an army of warriors. Raise up modern day preachers. Matthew Barnett did. And he said that he was 15 years old. Last night, he said he's 15 years old. And he started preaching to trees. <laughs> I want you right now, just as a step of faith, I want you to just start preaching. I want you wherever you're at, I want you to just start talking about Jesus. I want you, you can talk to the carpet, you can talk to the chair, you can look at the person next to you. you I don't care, but I just, I just, I just, I just want God to inject something in us we stand, we start to talk about the one that we love. I don't want to leave here and say, wasn't that a great, a great thing? And what, you know, we gave to heart work and we're, no, 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 let's do it. What is, do we have to talk about it? On three. Be ready in season and out. I don't care if you're preaching to the air. You can preach to a flag. You can preach to a pole. You can preach to your youth pastor. You can preach at Corey, the cameraman. You can preach at Nico. You can, I don't care who you preach to, but I want you to start preaching the gospel. Just start talking about Jesus. It doesn't have to be eloquent. If all you, know, if all you want to say is, Jesus rocks, Jesus rocks, Jesus is so, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. So I don't care what you say. Awesome. I don't care. But whatever's in your heart, 
Step out and say it. Step out and say it. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.